Paratooth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Since the fall of man, a war has raged between good and evil. Over the centuries, this war has distorted the truth. Now the truth is perceived as lies, and lies acknowledged as truth. To this day, the battle continues as we investigate and debate the truth behind the history and mystery of the universe. We are Paratruth Radio. The Lesser Key of Solomon is a book which depicts 72 demons that Solomon supposedly captured and the rituals which helped him do it. However, over the years, some of the text has been omitted or added to, and there is very little evidence which supports Solomon ever summoned the demons in the first place. So despite the darkness of the book's content and the evil which helped write it, the question is, what can we learn? Now Parachute presents The Lesser Key. What's up, Parafans? My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And you are listening to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. We're coming at you semi-live, that's right, semi-live, from Bismarck, North Dakota, and Cleveland, Ohio. Once again. Once again. We hope you're all having a wonderful evening this lovely Sunday evening, <laughs> or, or whatever you guys may be listening. Uh, I got to move my microphone a little bit here. It's it's bothering me. It's, it's like in the way of the camera. <clears throat> How are you doing, my northern friend? I'm doing pretty good. Started new training for work, so I'm super excited, and I'm super excited for our brand new episode. All right, all right. Same here. Looking forward to it. Uh, for those of you tuning into YouTube, I can't tell on my screen. Maybe you can tell me, Justin. I look a little darker, the a lighting little, is. Yeah. And I think that's just the camera of my Mac, unfortunately. So nothing I can do about that, considering I have... One, two, three, four, five lights on, and they're not helping. Today, we are talking about something much different than what we've talked about in the past. Similar, obviously, mm. since it's paranormal, but different. And in fact, we're going to literally, well, not literally, but kind of literally, figuratively, <laughs> symbolically, not literally at all, actually, dive into the deep end of the pool tonight. Because we are going to jump into a book that has much controversy written all over it. Uh, it is a book that was created in the early 1900s, um, or I should say rewritten in the early 1900s, and uh, has a forward by Aleister Crowley, which we've talked about in the past, and you all know about Aleister Crowley, not the uh, nicest of guys by any means. <laughs> But nonetheless, I thought it was important that we went ahead and covered this. We were trying to think of something uh, controversial to talk about. I mean, it's kind of what we want to do with the show and move forward into. And so we decided today we'd talk about the Goetia 
of the lesser key of Solomon the king. Uh, it, it goes by a number of different names. The Goetia, it could go by the Goetia, it goes by the lesser key of Solomon, which is most common. Uh, but despite the name, there have been many arguments debating on whether or not King Solomon himself has any input on this book at all. Now, right. there are some sources that claim that the Goetia was written back when Solomon had fallen away from the Lord and with his wisdom decided to create up uh, magic spells that would conjure demons and then capture them. And then when he would capture them, he'd put them into a uh, a bronze vase, basically, or barrel. And according to legend, he threw that barrel full of 72 demons at the to the bottom of a deep lake. Sometime later... People found that barrel, opened it up, and the demons were re-released uh, into the world again. However, there are many people who claim that Solomon had nothing to do with this book whatsoever. I think you have to kind of look at the different research, especially if you're researching online, because a lot of the stuff that I came across, especially for the, act, the, the key of Solomon, not the lesser key of Solomon, was mm-hmm. written in 14th and 15th century BC or, or 15th century BC, not mm-hmm. necessarily back when King Solomon was doing what he did. Now, I believe a lot of research points to the fact that he was doing this or he did do something like this, but how he actually did it, I don't know if that was ever written in his time. Right. Well, the research is kind of iffy because there, I mean, there has been some research that claims that he never, it's hard to say because there's no like significant historical evidence saying that he did capture demons. And of course, how are we going to know whether or not he really did Right. Uh, without those demons being present, considering someone released them supposedly. Uh, it almost has a Pandora's box feel. It does. It really does. Legend. It absolutely does. And, uh, you know, when you read through... Now, I own The Lesser Key of Solomon. Don't be judgmental, my that Christian gonna, folks yeah, out there. I was going to say that to uh, everybody. That was, a long, <laughs> <laughs> that was a long time ago that I had bought that book before I was a Christian. And nonetheless, I decided to keep it for uh, research, basically. Uh, which is why we're here today. Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> the book itself has a number of different magical spells in it, and it's actually broken up into five different sections. Uh, I believe the first section pretty much goes over the uh, the 72 demons and basically what their descriptions are. Mm-hmm. And there's it's crazy because some of the demons are very similar, and according to the book, these demons are either good or bad or indifferent, mm-hmm. good, evil, indifferent. Now, of course, I've never heard of a good demon you know doesn't really seems a little ironic but well, just with the the name in general whether you're a christian or you're somebody who associates evilness with demons i mean there is no religion or thought base that i've heard of anyways that associates good with demon so right absolutely uh, and so the very first section of the book is called the Ars Goetia. Uh, and as I said, it contains the descriptions of the 72 demons that Solomon is said to have evoked uh, and then captured into this brass barrel, basically, uh, with magical symbols, which he then sealed. Um, and, of course, eventually we get into those seals as well. It talks about how to create those seals and whatnot. Uh, the Ars, the, uh, how do I say that? The Ars 
Thirdia Galatia is the second section, and that goes into the different names and characteristics and seals of the 31 aerial spirits, which are known as the chiefs, the emperors, the kings, and the princes that, again, King Solomon had conjured up uh, and ended up confining into this barrel. The Ars Paulina, I believe I'm saying that right. Some of these words are, you know, it's Latin, so it's a little weird. Um, and I don't, I, I'm not fluent in Latin. <laughs> yeah. uh, I wish I was. Uh, this particular section or chapter, if you will, uh, goes over the angels of the several hours, which means the angels of the day and the angels of the night. Uh, and, of course, their seals, their servants, their nature, uh, and, of course, the different planets and different things that they're associated with. Uh, it goes over the astrological aspects to invoke these particular spirits, the angels. Um, and you find out during that this section, within the section, that some of these angels uh, coincide with a couple of the demons from the 72 that he had found. Uh, the second chapter of the Ars Polina then talks about the angels that are concerned with the rule over the zodiacal signs uh, and, of course, the four elements, which is fire, earth, water, and air. And, of course, their names, their seals, etc., etc. The final section is called the Ars Almedo, and it's broken into several different sections in this particular section. It's like a section within sections. Just call it chapters. Uh, And it contains... A number of different prayers, magical words, uh, magical spells, some of the uh, symbols and how to create them. And many of these prayers and uh, spells are written in a couple of different languages. Uh, some are Hebrew, some are Greek. Uh, I think they even get into some of the Latin for the later uh, generation that had written into this book. Um, and, and it kind of goes about how and when... You should use these symbols and the, this magic for it to be most powerful and most effective. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, what's interesting is about many of these is that a lot of like this particular section, the last section there, where it talks about the magical spells and stuff, is very disconnected from the time in which Solomon reigned as king. Uh, when Solomon reigned, there wasn't anything about Jesus. You know, there were no prayers to Jesus, you know, specifically and Jesus wasn't named because we didn't have an exact name yet um, back then. And so we know that for some reason, some way, Aleister Crowley and Samuel Mathers probably went ahead and started writing their own content into the book, which of course makes it nothing of Solomon's, but instead makes it their own. Now, Despite the legend that Solomon went ahead and conjured up these demons, there's no significant evidence that he wrote anything mm-hmm. that would tell you how exactly to capture these demons or what the demons were, their names, their uh, descriptions, et cetera, et cetera. Which means a lot of this book, I think, and I could be wrong, but I think a lot of this book was simply written in modern time and he simply put Solomon in there based on the legend, uh, even though none of it comes from Solomon himself. Now, throughout the years, I, I came across several writings, uh, some of the forums and some of the little articles in which people have supposedly tried to 
follow this book and summon these demons or uh, where people had known someone else who tried it. Now, there are some that claim that they've never met anyone to be successful in following this book and succeeding in capturing demons. As far as anyone's concerned, if Solomon really did capture them, he's the only one who ever did, period. There's nothing that says even Aleister Crowley had done it, and we all know what he's like. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> however, I did come across this one forum, which was interesting. You know, some of these forums are ridiculous because these people, <laughs> they, they, they think they know a thing or two about demons, you know, and many of them claim, oh, I don't believe in this, I don't believe in that, or they have no strength, they can't harm me, blah, 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 because of their magic and whatnot. Well, this particular guy, kid, whoever, ended up trying to capture these 72 demons and supposedly in some way succeeded. Doubt that. However, he, he said claimed that, after, that he had gotten all 72. And, yeah. And however, after some time, and these demons did his bidding, they started to turn on him. And when they did, he ended up having to seek out help from other sources to try to stop these demons and get rid of them. Apparently, the demons were trying to kill him and almost succeeded. Now, again, it's a forum. You never know what's real and what's not or whether or not these stories are true. But, it, you know, it's hard to say because it's just a forum. And it's one thing if it's a scholarly article which has the references and this and that as to exactly who this is, what happened, why it happened, etc. Kind of like a thesis? Kind of like a thesis. Uh, just support. You know, I mean, this is simply one person's claim. Okay. No one, he has no other witnesses, supposedly, other than a couple of names that he gives that try to help him and succeeded in helping him. Okay. Um, but you have to question whether or not his story is real. Right. Well, without, just like anything without, on the internet, really, but really, yeah. But you know, but what I mean is that when you see certain articles, scholarly articles, for example, which have uh, a date, which have a name, which have references, et cetera, et cetera, mm. you can check sources and resources, and you know, come right. to your own conclusion. But regardless, <clears throat> beside that, um, the Goetia is a book that many people claim should not be dealt with. Even those who practice witchcraft have seemed to steer clear of the Lesser Key of Solomon due to just how great an evil it really is and can be if you try to summon demons. Now, first and foremost, folks, do I don't want you to think that I'm condoning, you know, anyone trying to summon these demons, nor that I believe you can actually summon a demon. I don't think it's possible. It can't exist. Um, I, I think what demons do is simply allow you to believe that they're being controlled, but in the real time, they're just manipulating you and doing so much as to get you to stay connected with them so that they can turn on you and even kill you. Uh, if Actually, that's this okay. is something where I disagree with you. Not as Uh-oh. far as, as being able to capture a demon, yeah. but I believe you can summon a demon because you're opening that doorway to bring that demon to you. Mm-hmm. You didn't actually summon it at, like from thin air. You opened that doorway for that demon to find you and and come to you. No, I don't believe you can trap it, but I right. believe you can summon because you're you're saying, "Hey, come on, I want you to come to me." I don't believe right. you can control it. I don't believe you can trap it, but I do believe you can summon it. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I think you can summon it too. I and mean, we've talked about that. We've talked about, uh, you don't even have to purposely call the name of a demon. Just simply using a Ouija board to contact your dead grandmother Opening is enough doorway. to summon a demon mm-hmm. and open that door. So yeah, let's face it. Summoning demons is very simple and something we can do on a daily basis if we're not careful. Um, yeah, it's that's a tough one, yeah. you know, because it's like, hmm, what do I do on a daily basis that can summon a demon? Well, basically, we're opening doors all the time. The question is whether or not we linger on that door. Right. Uh, you know, <clears throat> it's sometimes it's not conscious, but you're you're going through your daily life, and sometimes mm-hmm. j- just a single thought can pop in your head, and you've opened that doorway. Yeah, absolutely. I and, and I think in that sense. It's more of the power behind the thought and the power behind what door it is. Because I think there are some doors that are a little more powerful and a little more open than others. Mm. For example, the Ouija board is very clearly a strong door where a simple thought in your mind isn't necessarily a a strong door. Because a demon – and this says – I think this is something you might disagree with me with. A demon – cannot read our minds it's impossible for a demon to read the mind uh only god has that ability i'm kind of on the fence on that yeah uh and um i mean really what it boils down to as well is your thoughts on like for example you and i we have creative thoughts all the time Mm -hmm. but is that opening a doorway because some of our our creative processes go to sometime the spiritual side of things. So in your, in your opinion, would a thought like that open a doorway? No, I, I don't think so. I, I, it depends again, uh, how much you linger on that thought. Okay. Uh, now I'm a horror writer, you know, when I'm writing movie scripts, I tend to follow the horror, the path of horror and tragedy, et cetera, et cetera. That's just my, the way I am. That's the way my mind works. That's a little dark spirit, if you will. I got a dark soul, <laughs> but, um, you know, a lot of those things when I'm writing, I don't consider them like a door. I don't think of them as being something that's going to release a demonic entity into my presence or into my, you know, surroundings. Those doors are the type of doors that can be easily shut because when you're writing, it's simply just the mind releasing a story and that's it. Okay. Now, if I were to leave the story and go upstairs and just continue thinking about it and start thinking like, oh, this, what if the story is real and start believing it's going to come true? Now I start to, you know, trick my mind into thinking something might be real to some extent. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't believe demons can read our minds, but I believe they can pick up on our external uh, expressions. Like body language and that sort body of thing. Body language, things like that, et cetera, et cetera. In fact, uh, there are many resources that claim that Satan knows us better than we know ourselves because he's constantly watching. He's constantly predicting. That's what he does is he predicts. He doesn't know. He just predicts and he can predict things about us based on the way we've lived our lives in the past. Okay. Um, that's all he has. But Okay. Well, I think uh, it's a good spot to take our first break. Folks, you've been listening to Paratruth Radio. We will be right back with Eric and Justin. But first... Eric's Random Fact of the Day. Now, Eric's Random Fact of the Day. Nothing gets you anywhere further than some simple hard work. In fact, one such story involves the owners of Pizza Hut. According to RandomFactSides.com, 
The two brothers, who founded Pizza Hut, began their quest by borrowing $600 from their mother in 1958 to open their own pizza shop. Well, most of us know the story, and with some hard work, the rest became history. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can Find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I, I hope so, man. I'm tired. <laughs> Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I, I, I've never done it. <laughs> All right, folks. Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And as you guys heard at the very beginning of the show, we are talking about the lesser key of Solomon. There is also a a key of Solomon. I think it's two separate books, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, well, it's the lesser key and the greater key. Oh, okay. So those two make basically make the key of Solomon, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so uh, just before break, we were talking about you know opening doorways. Uh, Eric and I had kind of explored creative thought processes that might be linked to opening those doorways as well. One thing that Eric had said, and this is one thing that I do agree with him is messing with this kind of stuff and opening doorways is not a good thing. Uh, whether you believe you can control demons, whether you believe you can summon them to do your bidding, I, I am a firm believer that you cannot, I don't think you should be messing with that. Uh, that's one one of the things that Eric and I agree on wholeheartedly, 100%. You should not be doing that. Uh, one of the things about the Key of Solomon uh, is about summoning spirits as well. Now, that being said, I don't think it goes into whether those spirits are human or supposedly human or otherwise, Correct. Or is it saying more elemental? It, uh, I think it's saying a little more elemental. Okay. Um, now, <clears throat> it, it's hard to say specifically. I think mostly what the book focuses on, in regards to lesser key anyway, because I haven't read the greater key, mm. but the lesser key focuses more on specifically on the demonic aspect, as we know there's 72 demons, but also the angelic aspect uh, in which supposedly, I think, you're able to summon angels uh to protect you, basically. Okay. Uh, again, <laughs> with the summoning, I don't, I don't think you can summon angels per se. I honestly think we're surrounded by both angels and demons. You know, no matter where we're at, mm-hmm. um, I, I do believe you can pray for their help or God to send them to help you. I guess is mm-hmm. the more proper term. Um, but yeah, I don't believe in, you can summon these things. Same thing for elementals. Uh, 
I'm not sure I believe in elementals, but I don't believe any spirit in general, whether it's a demon, elemental, ghost, angel, I don't believe you can summon them. I don't believe you can trap them. Uh, mm-hmm. Do Is there a lot of magic uh, workers out there that do believe this? I don't know. I don't know if there is a difference between uh, this particular practice between what they call white magic and dark magic. I'm not sure on that either, but in my personal opinion, you can, you cannot summon any of these things in the, the sense that you're summoning them to do your bidding, to trap them, um, anything like that. So mm-hmm. that, that's just my opinion. I'm sure Eric is probably on the same page there as far as that's concerned. Yeah, absolutely. So going further into the, the key of Solomon, um, you know, when when we've, you had first got this book, this was, I think this was in the transition phase for you, where we were in the paranormal, we had just started learning about our faith again, and it was just before you started going to church again that you got this book. If I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong. No, I think you're right. Because we you know, had originally were looking into different things and this is what brought us back to to uh, going back to church and what have you, uh, is looking for things for protection. And mm-hmm. a former friend of mine was like, hey, that is not the way to go. You guys should do this cleansing uh, uh, meditation and right. start start going to church and blah, blah, blah. And so um, I think it was, yeah, it was just after that. And we had started kind of looking at the whole demonology thing mm-hmm. as far as how to get rid of, of that aspect. And that's right. what had brought Eric to buy this book. But after that is when he had gone straight into the church and started uh, believing again and reading the Bible pretty much every day. I don't know if it was every day at that point, but um, so when he said, you know, don't judge him, I I would have said that as well because he doesn't believe <laughs> what he did when he first bought the book. So um, to, to get into that, what I just talked about, demonology, a little bit, um, there, I, I believe this is connected to the Catholic Church, correct? Mm. Um, I mean, there demonology are... Or? Demonology, yeah. Okay. Um, because it has to do with exorcisms and protecting yourself against demons, that sort of thing. And I mean, there are people outside of the church that claim to be demonologists. Right. Uh, I don't know though. And I, I think you know more about this than I do. Uh, when they, they're calling themselves demonologists, are they just studying the activity of demons? Are they doing more of the protection I, I'm not sure on this, so this is uh, why I'm asking you. I mean, demonology uh, is pretty much just the study of demons themselves or the belief about demons. Uh, when you look into books that are written about demons or you look into demonology books, uh, many of them are going to focus much like the 72 demons uh, in The Lesser Key and talk about the description of the demon and the belief system behind that demon and the origin of that demon, uh, at least in regards to modern times, what people believe. Uh, and then it may re- 
uh, try to relate the modern belief system to the belief system in the past, whether it be a hundred years ago, 200, a thousand, 2000, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then it goes beyond that. And it's not just a study of the demons themselves, but the study of some of the arts, the practices or the big names who started to bring knowledge of demons to people in the demonology, uh, uh, era. Um, one in particular, for example, is a book, another book that I have just simply called Demons and Demonology. Uh, and that particular book, though it also speaks about Baal and Azale and a couple of other demons, many other demons, it also talks about Elisa Crowley and it also talks about a number of other big names within the, uh, the occult who have either sold those souls to the devil or have tried to summon demons, etc. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of seeing a number of uh, aspects throughout history which relate in some way to each other. Okay. Now, in your personal opinion, do you think, like we had said at the beginning, nowhere can we find that it's definitive that not only did King Solomon do these things that are in this book, or even that he writ them, wrote them down, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that this is demonologists that just put this name on this, or maybe witchcraft or occult users of some kind that just wanted to put that name on there to make it more appealing, I guess, or make make it feel like it's more powerful? Absolutely. I, I think that's a very strong possibility. Um, you know, people always want to relate, especially if it's something dark like this, they want to relate it to something or someone who is good. Um, obviously, they can't relate it to God himself because the Bible contradicts everything that they would try to offer up. And there's absolutely zero evidence to support those claims that God would create, you know, a book on how to summon demons, for example. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't exist and it never would exist. Uh, Solomon, on the other hand, it's, it's a very interesting story because Solomon is the wisest human being to ever have existed and to ever will or ever will exist in the future. Uh, aside from Jesus Christ himself, obviously Jesus is God. Therefore, I mean, come on, you can't outmatch that wisdom, but. In regards to uh, people, Solomon was the wisest of the wise. And for quite a few and many years, he stayed close with God. He walked with God. He spoke with God. But he started doing things that were outside of God's will, such as marrying a thousand women and having a thousand wives. Um, and, and such as dabbling with certain things that you have dabbled with. And one of the big problems was... And this is all within the Bible, correct? This is all within the Bible. And one of the things is we notice that there's a transition uh, in Solomon's life. The book that Solomon was first brought up or named uh, and where we really begin to see the reign of Solomon was First King, uh, or First Kings. Uh, That was the very first book in which Solomon begins to reign. And we see throughout that time that he does stay close to God, but as he begins to marry more and more women, his faith starts to starts to shake a little bit because the one thing that God commands uh, his people never to do, and even now, is to marry outside of the faith. Because when you marry outside of the faith, you tend to 
drift toward that other person's beliefs, unfortunately. And of course, it can work in vice versa way, you know, where you meet someone who isn't of the same faith and they start to gravitate toward God. Uh, but in this case, Solomon started gravitating toward pagan gods and he started to uh, sacrifice to these other gods and to pray to these other gods, which is very detestable to the Lord. Uh, well, eventually, King Solomon walked away completely. And we noticed that when he was close to God, he wrote a book known as the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon. Um, and throughout that entire book, it's basically compiled of writing the writings of Solomon, which depict wisdom and teach us wisdom. And if you're ever wondering what wisdom is and what exactly how it compares to knowledge, I would recommend reading uh the Song of Songs, the book entitled The Song of Songs. Um, it's a great book. I've read it several times, and uh, it really helps you to, to to build that wisdom and what will make you a stronger man or woman, uh, both of God and just as a you know a personal being. In, 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 <laughs> like Donald Duck? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and a personal, you know, and just a personal being in and of yourself. Um, it, it, it just really teaches you some strong wisdom. Uh, however, the very next book after that is called Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes is the book in which Solomon wrote where he regrets everything he's ever done from walking away from the Lord. He starts to write about how things have changed since he walked away from God and how things aren't what they once used to, how they're not as bright and how they're not as joyful and how they're uh, much more agonizing since he had walked away from God. And uh, during that particular part in which Ecclesiastes has, was written um, would have probably been the moment in which Solomon began or had already been quite uh, quite uh, deep into summoning his demons. The only thing is, in the book of Ecclesiastes and anywhere in the book of the Bible, there's nothing written about King Solomon actually summoning demons. And I think that that's something pretty important that I, God probably would have mentioned because he would have said, this is very detestable, you know, this is blah, blah, and mm. so on and so forth. But he doesn't mention it. And there's a couple of reasons why he might not have. One could be he just doesn't want us to have that idea that we can summon demons. Mm. He's not going to give us. He doesn't want that. It's God tells us not to summon spirits. So, you know, that in and of itself should tell us not to summon demons. Uh, but I think there's a strong possibility that Solomon just simply didn't do it. Um, and so because of this transition, though, between Solomon being good and then kind of falling away from God, uh, and not to say good because none of us are good. We're all fallen by nature. Um, but I think Solomon being this wise person, many of these occultists and demonologists and, you know, people who just uh, practice the dark arts decided, hey, here's a really popular name that has kingship behind it because Solomon was a king who was a person of God who then fell away and was able to summon these demons. There's our power. This so-called man of God who's been able to rise up uh, these demons and control them. So, so kind of yeah. more of like an assumption by, by the writers of the key of Solomon. Yeah, I think, uh, and, and you know, I haven't found personally, I haven't found, any research uh, that says otherwise. So all I can really do here is assume because I have no evidence myself supporting it. You know, I don't have any official evidence, I should say. Right. Um, 
Because if I did, I'd be sure to share it with you. <laughs> well, uh, and I've never read the Apocrypha. I've never read the Dead Sea Scrolls mm-hmm. or the, the translation of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, do you know if any of those mention anything about Solomon? Um, I don't know offhand because I've only read a few books of uh, the Apocrypha. And the ones that I read had nothing to do with Solomon. But that's not to say that it's not written in there somewhere. Um, however, in my studies of the Apocrypha at all, um, I never really came across anything. Okay. And so if there's anyone out there, by the way, who's listening and knows otherwise, who knows that there's something about Solomon and the Apocrypha and summoning these demons, let us know because our research continues even after the show. Um, right. So you're only getting what we know now. And in the future, there might be another episode which will uh, enlighten you guys even more with more information as we become uh, begin learning more, too. One thing that uh, was told to me, and I asked if I could use this, uh, mm-hmm. is that the, the research just starts here. It doesn't end here. It starts here. So we mm-hmm. want you guys to interact with us to, to let us know because even after – like Eric said, even after the show, I'm still interested of of whatever topic we cover to to get more knowledge about it. So I I agree with him. Let us know in the comments on Facebook. You know, you can go to our webpage, BirdTruthRadio.com, and there is a contact button there for you. And uh, yeah, we would love to to get any information that you guys have on this. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm trying to think. What more we can cover on this? Because as far as actually summoning the demons, on that point we both disagree. Um, and you know, as far as demonology is concerned, I'm kind of saying, you know, in my own mind, anyways, uh, <laughs> that's probably not the best thing to do either. Because you're kind of basically doing the same thing. You're opening that doorway because you're studying them. Now. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that I I did want to bring up, and I know that there's no biblical basis for this, is in the Lesser Key of Solomon, it does name demon names, correct? It it doesn't? Does. Or does. Yes, it does. Okay. Yeah. But nowhere in the Bible do we ever come across names of specific demons other than what we had mentioned before, one well, actually, it's it's many call themselves Legion. Well, we have Legion. Um, we have Lucifer, Lucifer technically, right. depending on you know. Your... That's that's pretty much seen uh, written in the uh, uh, the King James version, uh, and was particularly the oh. sixteen eleven King James version. Um, but it's in other versions as well. And then the other one is Beelzebub, is another name, which again refers to Lucifer. It's right. the same name. Uh, it's a different name, but the same person. I believe, isn't he called Azazel? Is it in the Bible or not? Uh, no, Azazel is not in okay. the Bible itself. I, I believe that, well, I mean, any of these names like Baal, Azazel, I believe they're all supposed to be linked to Lucifer, not necessarily a specific one of his minions, but him himself. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, Baal is kind of, you know, it is, that name is mentioned in the Bible. Right. But that's usually referred to as a god of one of the other, right. you know, people groups at the time. Um, 
and still is in certain areas of the world. But it's believed uh, that that's supposed to be but Lucifer. It's believed right? to still be Lucifer. Yeah, I mean, ma- many of uh, <clears throat> many theology theological books in regards to Christian literature and in particular the Bible have determined through a number of different accounts that Baal and many of the other uh, pagan gods have been demonic entities or gods that were created by Lucifer himself to kind of create his own persona of being God because we know that he wants to and will one day try to rise up to God's level and overthrow God. Right. And so naturally he's been going around the world for thousands of years becoming other people's gods basically, you know? And so, yeah, there, there is many belief that Baal is Lucifer. Okay. Um, now in, in all of those names, it, they're all associated with it's almost kind of like if you think of Greek mythology, they're all associated with something specific, right? Mm-hmm. And same thing for that. Well, I think you said it's just angels of the day and the night, correct? Mm-hmm. Which, <laughs> again, in my personal opinion, and I believe Eric agrees, I think angels are both part of day and night. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're not assigned to specific topics, you know, areas. It, it, it's hard to say because this is this is again something that isn't mentioned in the Bible specifically because it's not important, right? And so right. much of what we get, get and what we believe about angels and demons comes from other sources other than the Bible. Okay. Now I think the Bible helps guide us to our final conclusions, but the Bible itself doesn't tell us enough about specific angels and demons. Um, and again, with many of the names. These names about angels and the names of demons are coming from other books, so-called uh, uh, holy books, if you will, such as the Quran, um, in which number of angels are mentioned. And I think uh, is I think Raphael might be one of them that are mentioned in that book. Um, in the Quran, yeah. And but you know the the point is that much of what we believe about angels and demons is coming from other sources outside of the Bible, unfortunately. But to say that these angels aren't placed in certain areas of the universe, such as one angel being that of the night or that of the day, we can't conclude that that's not true. Because we know in the book of Revelation that there are, you know, creatures coming from the sea, you know, spirit you know, entities come from the sea and from the sky and from the different corners of the earth, northwest, south and east, Um and even in the book of uh, the Lesser Key of Solomon, there is claims that the 72 demons in which Solomon uh, had conjured up, they were controlled or commanded by four different demons, four higher demons, which were a demon of the north, one of the south, one of the east, and one of the west. Uh, so, to, you know, it's hard to say exactly. We know that according to Ephesians chapter 6, uh, there are demons of different levels of authority. There are lesser demons, there are higher demons, there are demons, there are rankings, basically. Uh, and we know that if there are, according to the Bible, rankings among demons, there's also rankings among the higher angels. Um, right, because there are different angels mentioned in the Bible. There They're are just not given yeah. names or, right. or hierarchy, per se. Right, because we do have the cherubim and we have the seraphim. Uh, both of which are named in the Bible. Uh, and the seraphim are technically considered higher up than the cherubim. Um, th- there have been, there's been some discussion that 
Lucifer is a cherub, per se. Uh, and I know before his when, fall, you mean? Before his fall, um, I mean technically he still is a cherub. I mean you, you can't change that um, unless God chose to. And uh, seraph, the seraphim, you know, we can consider them higher because they actually stand in the presence of God. Uh, the word seraphim actually means burning ones, and they're considered the burning ones because they're constantly in the presence of God, um, which is, I think, really cool, personally. I think it's awesome to, to think of that. Uh, and the only ones that I, the only person that I know of, I mean, not personally know, but I've read of that actually has seen the seraphim is uh, Isaiah. As Isaiah walked up, uh, I believe God was calling to him and said, who will go? And Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. And Isaiah was basically in the throne room of God. The entire floor was a rainbow and glass, like a glass sea, basically. And there's a huge throne and the burning ones are standing next to God. And God is just magnificently, you know, bright and just, you couldn't, he was blinded. You know, he had to bow to the ground and close his eyes. Uh, but yeah, you know, th- those are the kind of things that we do read about in the Bible that we learn about these angels. But the many, many specifics as to where these angels and these demons hang out, I don't know where the heck that comes from. That's just, that's theology for you. Right. Right. Well, and, you know, that kind of begs the question, where do these other names come from? I know you said other books, but it's like now if the the Bible doesn't name more than a couple, where are these other books getting the names from? Is, is, right. it, is it demons portraying themselves as angels and, you know, giving the name that way? Are they actual angels that came to other people from other religions, but, you know, they didn't follow the, the Christian faith, they, they followed a different path. It's kind of well, interesting to think about that. It is interesting. Uh, the one thing that's important, I think, for us all to remember um, is that specifics like these in regards to the names of the angels and in regards to where these angels are placed isn't significant to our own salvation. Salvation comes from simply believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died and rose again for our sins. Um, and that is mentioned very clearly many times throughout the Bible, both in the Old Testament and the New, because there are references in the Old Testament as to what is to come in the New Testament. Um, but as for believing that there's an angel named Raphael or Michelangelo, whether there are or not, is insignificant to our own faith and our ultimate destination after we die. It's, it's just not important. That's why God doesn't mention it. So it's just important to remember that what is important is mentioned specifically in the Bible, and that's what we need to follow. Anything beyond that, our belief system can, you know, could, could go back and forth. We can bend a little here and bend a little there. We're not going to believe absolutely everything that a fellow, fellow believer will, another brother or sister in Christ will. But as long as the basics, the most important uh, groundwork of the Bible and of Jesus Christ are exactly the same between us, then that's all that really matters. So, Well, I'm a believer that, I mean, it, it, regardless of if you're following the faith to the fullest or you have kind of a thought process like I do, I mean, names of angels and demons aren't important at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are you going to do with those names? I mean, you can research yeah. them. That's great, but... 
you're not going to do anything with them. As like I said, I don't believe you can summon them and trap them. So what are right. you going to do with those names? There's there's no reason to have there's nothing them. you can do. It. And of course, you know, unfortunately, many people, even Christians, believe that they can pray to angels or pray to the saints, if you will. Which again, God clearly tells us in the Bible not to do. If we want anything, we want to ask anything, ask it of God Himself. Don't pray to Peter or Mary or you know to. Uh, any of the angels because they're not going to do anything unless God otherwise commands. And most likely God's not going to command otherwise. So you got a question then if an angel comes to you or any of the saints come to you, what is it that's really coming to? Because it's likely not any of them. All right, folks, you are listening to Paratruth Radio, but we're going to take a quick break here. We'll be right back after Justin's Paranormal Headlines. And now, Parachute Radio's Paranormal Headlines. What's going on, Parafans? Justin here with your Paranormal Headlines, and these headlines are from unexplainedmysteries.com. UK military is now developing laser weapons. A new Ministry of Defense project is aiming to test out the benefits of directed energy technology. A contractor for a prototype device, which is set to be demonstrated in 2019, has been awarded to a consortium of defense firms known as UK Dragonfire. Once completed, the weapon will be tested out to determine its effectiveness at picking and tracking targets over a variety of different distances and terrain types. According to Peter Cooper from the UK's Defense Science and Technology Laboratory, DSTL, the project will draw on innovative research into high-power lasers while also providing a more effective response to the emerging threats that could be faced by UK armed forces. Reports also suggest that the laser weapon is not being designed to counter any specific threat, but more of as a way to determine if such systems will be viable for use in future military operations. If the project succeeds, we could see lasers being deployed on the front line by the mid-2020s. Chilean Navy releases unseen UFO footage. The newly declassified video was filmed by a military helicopter that encountered a UFO while on patrol. The remarkable 10-minute recording was captured in broad daylight by the helicopter's surveillance and reconnaissance, SAR, camera during a routine coastal patrol back in November of 2014. The crew's first reaction was to contact local airfields and military installations to confirm whether or not the mysterious object had appeared on their radar screens. Despite being clearly visible to the helicopter, all of them reported that the UFO had not been picked up. They then attempted to communicate with the craft using standard civilian frequencies, however there was no response at all. Whoever was controlling it seemed keen to maintain radio silence. Twice during the encounter, the object was observed ejecting an unknown substance into the air, which reportedly only showed up on the infrared camera. The helicopter crew tried desperately to acquire as much data about the UFO as possible, but inevitably, almost as suddenly as it had appeared, it had vanished into the clouds and was gone. CEFAA, the Chilean government's UFO investigations branch, went on to conduct an extensive investigation into the encounter, but despite their best efforts, they ultimately came up empty. And this has been Justin with your Paranormal Headlines. 
This was a segment of Parachute Radio's Paranormal Headlines. Welcome back to Parachute Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. I just got to feel like that should have been the John Cena entrance right there. <laughs> <laughs> and we have been talking about the Lesser Key of Solomon, and of course we've had several small rabbit trails uh, that have gone along with Lesser Key of Solomon. Now, <clears throat> during the break here, Justin, Justin actually mentioned to me that he doesn't feel like this show really focused too, too much on the Lesser Key of Solomon. And in one sense, I agree. And in another, of course, I disagree. And I think what we did share is like a broad spectrum of what the lesser key holds. Uh, of course, being who we are, we don't want to give you too much detail. I'm not going to open the book and start reading the magical uh, <laughs> spells and stuff because I don't want to be summoning anything and I don't want you guys to be trapped with anything. Uh, Everybody's like taking notes. Okay. Yeah. The, exactly. <laughs> Devil's trap. Okay. Eric yes. said. Eric said that the lesser key of Solomon said. <laughs> exactly. So you know these are things that we want to avoid, and so I, I think specifically, I never really planned on giving you deep detail on the lesser key of Solomon because that would go against everything that God would want me to do. God doesn't want that out there. Right. Um, but. I think we gave you quite a bit to at least understand what the lesser key is uh, and, and where it comes from and why it was made up. Now, whether or not it's real, whether or not it actually does anything is beyond us. There's claims out there that, you know, there's people out there that claim that it is real and that it does work. There's people out there that say it doesn't work. There's people who say, hey, it kind of worked and then it all backfired. Uh, whether or not we know who's telling the truth you know, we don't know. We can't say. So, unfortunately, it's one person's opinion uh, against everyone else's. But I think we've had a pretty good debate with this particular topic, though. Mm-hmm. I agree. But, folks, nonetheless, that was and is the Lesser Key of Solomon. If you do have any questions about it, specific questions, feel free to hit us up. Uh, I don't recommend necessarily doing your own research just because of how broad the lesser key is in regards to views and opinions. You're probably not going to come across anything too definitive. Uh, but Justin and I, we've been around for a while. Uh, I've looked into this book quite a bit over the years. Uh, so if you do have any specific questions that I may be able to help with, and I'm not saying I will, depending on what your <laughs> question is, uh, feel free to hit us up uh, either at Facebook, uh, dot com forward slash Parachute Radio. If you follow us, great, awesome. If you don't, do so. Um, also, you can hit us up at Parachute Radio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Check out our website, ParachuteRadio.com. Well, I, I mean, if you have questions, and like we said earlier, if you have done any research on anything that we talked about today, definitely let us know where we missed something or what can be added to it. Because as we said, we continue our, our knowledge uh, learning 
as we end the show as well. It, it doesn't end here. It starts here. So right. one thing that I wanted to bring up, since we are bringing up, you know, our listeners contacting us, because without you guys, we would not be doing this show every week. It would be kind of like Night Stalkers. We were doing it for fun and looking at how many listeners we had, and we're like, yeah, this is two listeners every week. Woohoo! <laughs> um, but uh, we do do this for you guys. So one thing I wanted to bring up is a couple comments that we've gotten from a couple of our listeners this week. Uh, we got a comment from Phil Quirk. Her and her husband, her and her husband, I'm sorry, Phil. Her and her son both listened to the show. Uh, one of their favorites are the trailing of, uh, trailing the Nephilim part one and two with L.A. Marzulli. Awesome guest. Uh, he actually does have a new book out, so I do want to get him on again. Um, let's see. There was a couple others here. Char Martin on YouTube had said, yay, a new pair of truth vid. This was on our new year's extravaganza. I really enjoy the topics that y'all cover. I love pair truth radio. We love you as well. Char. It's one of our things that we, we love all of our listeners because we love interacting. And again, if it wasn't for you guys, we wouldn't have a show. Uh, Sean Duffy had gotten and commented a couple episodes here. Uh, the miracles of Christmas. He said, interesting with cute accents. Uh, he commented on the Zozo Ouija demon episode we did and said, I've, I've spent Christmas and boxing day. He must be from Canada. I'm assuming listening to your channel. It's really interesting. I've not looked, but have you got anything on sleep paralysis before I even got back to him, he put hearts on the sleep paralysis episode. So very awesome um, comments there. And then I did want to share the one other comment that we had gotten. This is from Cat Ward. She's in a uh, a forum that I'm a part of. And she had wrote, and this is about our Christmas episode. She had wrote, hey, Justin, just listen to your Christmas episode. I enjoyed it a lot. I wanted to mention about the part where a death can be a blessing. My youngest is 13 years old. When he was nine months old, my mother passed away. The funeral was on my birthday. I had so many come up to me, say what a horrible birthday it was for me. I said, no, it was the best. People, of course, gave me the death glare, like how heartless can you be i had watched my mother a devout french roman catholic suffer so much over the years she had colon cancer thankfully the surgery got it all she had rheumatoid arthritis was anemic heart problems and towards the last few years of her life she was on oxygen she kept saying she was sick and tired of being sick and tired so when she went alone peacefully watching her taped episode of mass for shut-ins it was a gift for me to know her suffering was finally at an end not many uh people understand this but then again i'm the type who sees blessings in what so many would consider bad situations i don't share my mother's faith yes i was baptized roman catholic but i am more spiritual than religious i do envy her for the comment or the amount of faith she held 
My husband is also very faithful. I have been shown proof of God in heaven, yet I still question. I'm not sure why it's so hard for me to have a firm belief like so many others. So awesome comments from you guys. We love the feedback. I encourage you guys that we do take constructive criticism as well. So if there's something we are not doing well or we're not, you know, you have suggestions as far as topics or guests, again, get, get to us and let us know because we would love to hear from you guys on that topic as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, any final thoughts or messages to give out to people about the lesser key? Stay away, guys. Simple as that. Uh, any information you need to know about it, you just heard about it here on Parachute Radio, your local designation for Parachute information. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you have any further questions, feel free to contact us anywhere, anytime. Just type us up in Google, Parachute Radio. All right, folks. Next week, uh, we got a guest on that I had mentioned when we did our what is it about the name Jack episode? And his name is Randy Williams. He's got an interesting theory on who Jack the Ripper was. So I want you guys to tune in next week, same time, same channel, where we are the two guys exposing lies and bringing you the new truth, the paratruth. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. Do you love paratruth radio? Do you feel Paratruth Radio is worth at least a dollar? Then check out our Patreon account. Go to paratruthradio.com, click on the contact tab, and click on our Patreon link. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Paratruth Radio, and you would like to listen to it again, or are interested in listening to any of our past episodes, then you can listen to them on HD at our website, paratruthradio.com. And you can also find us at Stitcher, Blueberry, TuneIn, iTunes, Spreaker, and YouTube. And of course, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for brand new updates of our show every day. I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. 
Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. See you soon.